This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Evan Roberts podcast. This is a podcast that has now become a tradition, the retrospective, okay? We've done this with WrestleMania, with the Royal Rumble. We bring in fellow wrestling fan, fellow wrestling historian, fellow podcaster, Dennis at Dennis has a podcast, and we have a retrospective about the history of of a WWE pay-per-view. Dennis, thanks again for joining me. Thank you for having me, brother. How you doing? I'm very excited. Um, this is one of my favorite podcasts to do because I don't love, and I don't think most of us love, the current WWE product. <laughs> so going through history is always a lot of fun. We've done Money in the Bank. We've done WrestleMania. We've done the Royal Rumble. Tonight, the biggest party of the summer. SummerSlam. So here's how it's going to work. We are going to set up a clock. I'll take care of the clock. Okay. 90 seconds. Oh, even quicker this time. Yeah. Remember when they did that with the Royal Rumble once? <laughs> <laughs> they said instead of two minutes, it's going to be 90 seconds. Is it going to be a real 90 seconds or are we going to be? Uh... Uh, when I hit the stopwatch, that's when the 90 seconds starts. We need to download one of those like Hot 97 uh, horn apps to, <laughs> to use. As, uh... well, you know what I was going to do, but I got lazy. <laughs> I was going to buy a bell, right? So when it hit 90 seconds, I was going to smack it. But we'll do that maybe for the Survivor Series okay, retrospective. Sure. <laughs> We're still figuring it out. So we'll have 90 seconds to discuss the main event of that particular SummerSlam. We're only focusing on main events. Maybe a year from now we'll do SummerSlam, you know, opening card matches or SummerSlam intercontinental title matches, though that does cross over once, as we'll get to. Sure. But we are focusing on main events. Just a couple quick thoughts about SummerSlam and why it has disappointed me. To me, if I'm Vince McMahon, Dennis, SummerSlam is WrestleMania 2. Sure. That's what I would have it as. I would have it in a stadium. Oh. Because it gives you the summer feel. Sure. What's more summer than being outside? Okay. Much more than WrestleMania, where it's still early April, late March. Because they've done that a few times at the Royal Rumble. I remember, what, 99 in, uh, in San Antonio this past year yeah. in Arizona. They've never, other than Wembley in, what, 92, they've never really done it in the stadium, as I can and, remember. And I think if they hype it the right way, they can get away with it. I, I really do. I mean, they've had SummerSlam at Barkley Center a lot, and I've always thought SummerSlam at City Field. But I also think that they should treat SummerSlam like WrestleMania by giving us that build. Like, as soon as WrestleMania ends, start building towards SummerSlam. And I, a lot of times that doesn't happen, obviously. Now, when we get to the early main events of SummerSlam, you'll see that that did sort of occur. That really hasn't happened recently. So I think SummerSlam has sort of become, unfortunately, kind of like any other pay-per-view. It doesn't have that specialness to it. And I am a fan of trying to make SummerSlam Great. Again, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> there are some really good moments uh, over the years, and we'll get to a lot of them today. 
but over the last couple of years, uh, it's been a Brock Lesnar uh, party, as, you, as, we'll, <laughs> as we'll get into. I think he's main event the last four or five of them. Well, uh, it's funny that you say that. So, because I'm a geek, I think both of us did some research. Besides our memory, we did research. Sure. And so I think your research was probably watching every main event of SummerSlam over. I need to stop doing this. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work, isn't it? My research was something a little different. I wanted to count up who's main evented the most SummerSlams. Now, there's a couple of caveats here, and, mm-hmm. and you'll hear it as this show rolls on. When someone cashes in, is that the main event? Or is the main event the match before the cash-in? If you include the cash-in as the main event, that would add to some guy's numbers. I, yeah, I say we can't. Because because my argument was the main event is SummerSlam 91. Is it the match made in heaven? Come on. But that's, that, that's my point. <laughs> it's not a match, So though. I think the announced main event is the main event. Okay, if that's the case, do you know who has main evented the most SummerSlam. I would say Brock and Rock and up are up there. No, it's Brock and Cena. Oh, okay. And, and the Cena thing's like, okay, fine. He's been a main event guy for a million years. Brock Lesnar was gone for a decade. Oh, two, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14. Thir- uh, 14 was uh, <laughs> Cena Danielson, right? So that was 14. Dude, he's main evented the last five summer slams <laughs> other than the last one was cena and uh danielson that was the last time yeah it was no, it was 13 <laughs> yeah 2013 <laughs> so it really is incredible anyhow let's start from the beginning though i was toying with the idea of going backwards but i think we should start with the beginning so i'll set the clock dennis you will introduce the summer slam the main event i'll give you some thoughts you'll give some thoughts and then after 90 seconds we move on. So let us start the clock for SummerSlam 1988. And it was billed as SummerSlam 88, even though it was the first one. Uh, August 29th, 1988 in Madison Square Garden. The Mega Powers, Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage versus the Mega Bucks, Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant with Jesse Ventura as the guest referee. You know what I remember most about this? How it was just the first sign of things to come. And it wasn't obvious, but it was the first sign of... Of the Hogan Savage split. Now, at this point, I'm too young to remember it live. I've gone back and watched it, but going back and watching it, when you see that look <laughs> between Randy Savage to Hulk Hogan, because Hogan's, you know, getting maybe a little too handsy with Elizabeth, that's what jumps out of you. And the fact that Elizabeth acted very attitude era like in distracting the heels. He did, she definitely distracted the heels. And one of the things you'll notice with SummerSlam, especially in these early years, they are using it as a tease towards the next WrestleMania. So certainly this is the first time they do it. They do it a a little bit later on uh, in these early uh, SummerSlams. So you definitely get the first uh, look of the size Hogan. You also get a continuation because Randy Savage and Ted DiBiase technically main evented the previous WrestleMania, the finals of the tournament. Hogan and Andre are now on a year and a half of their feud. So there was nothing new about this. So it really was a continuation of these old feuds, but it was more about the setup of what was coming. And it was more entertaining than I was expecting it to be, especially these these early cards, these 80s cards. It could be, you know, hit or miss. It was pretty entertaining. I enjoyed it. SummerSlam 1989. A little less entertaining. Uh, August 28th, 1989, from Brendan Byrne Arena over in Jersey, Hulk Hogan and Brutus the Barber Beefcake versus Randy Savage and Zeus. 
I think you could argue this one was the worst. <laughs> I know this is only the second one, but this one is the worst. First of all, if you want to give us Hogan Savage the rematch, great. I think we're all good with that. Now you got Scary Sherry involved. That's great. But to include Zeus and to include Brutus the Barber Beefcake, this just felt like a bad Saturday night's main event. I mean, Zeus can barely get in the ring. Going back and watching Zeus wrestle or attempt to wrestle is one of the most pathetic. <laughs> he makes the great Kali look like Bret Hart. They sold like hell for him, though. They tried to make it work. And you listen, I, I, I share the feeling that Brutus the Barber in the main event of SummerSlam was a little weak. But the crowd was super into the barber. I don't remember that at all. I just, I, even as a kid, I'm like, what the hell is this? I think that, you know, the first one with the Mega Powers and the Mega Bucks, I can live with it. But at this point, I, I kind of need a title match. And to have that, you know, basically they're promoting a movie. I mean, that's, that's what the main event was. It was about promoting Hogan Zeus. And I still can't believe the rumors that they were actually thinking of dragging out Hogan Zeus into WrestleMania 6. Can you imagine that they main evented a WrestleMania with that? No, no, I, and I refuse to. <laughs> I try to get it out of my mind, too. <laughs> uh, we made that in under five seconds of the 90 oh, look seconds. At us. Let's go to SummerSlam 1990. August 27th, 1990 from the Spectrum in Philadelphia. The Ultimate Warrior defending his WWF championship against ravishing Rick Rude. So the match was okay. They did it in a steel cage. In a steel cage. The match was fine going back and watching it. Warrior needing a victory. This is your first championship match, main eventing a SummerSlam. The previous two were tag matches. And I love Rick Rude, all right, Hall of Famer. They needed to give the Warrior a different opponent. They had fought a year earlier mm-hmm. at SummerSlam for the IC title. They had fought at WrestleMania for the IC title. This was a feud we'd already seen, and that's the thing. And I also think that even though it was the main event, it was really all about Hulk Hogan and Earthquake more than it was Warrior. <laughs> Returning with the the hundreds of thousands of get well wishes for for the Hulkster. And that's that's the thing, too. You know, looking back on these promos, uh, the Hulkster was certainly uh, more uh, tricked out, more energetic than I remember as a kid. These Some of these promos are out of this world. So right before the main event, they do that Hogan promo after uh, after the Earthquake match. It was a good match. Listen, Heaton is the ultimate heel, and he gets involved for sure. The old blue steel cage that we all love yeah. was certainly a lot of fun. Uh, I think what, both guys bled. Uh, I know certainly Rude did a little bit. Uh, in, it's tights. The music, they must have had some weird rights issue because yeah. they pumped in some different music on the uh, on the network. I hate that. Yeah, yeah so it was, that was weird. But, again, a fun match. Rick Rude is better than I remember as a kid. Eh. Um, yeah, it was, listen, not the perfect main event, not the perfect what, match, but j- just to expand on it, I don't know if you know the answer. Where was that pay-per-view? Philadelphia. It wasn't for some reason. Cause I didn't go back and watch this main event again. I just remember it. It felt like it was outside, but I, I guess no, it, it was wasn't. The spectrum. It was at the spectrum. Which is okay. a big building. Yeah. I don't know why I felt that way. It's probably like 23,000 or so. Cause like the garden could fit 20. Right. So I think the spectrum fit a little bit more than that. Nah, that's a big arena. That's for sure. Uh, let's go to SummerSlam 1991. August 26, 1991, they're back at Madison Square Garden, loving America, Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior versus Sergeant Slaughter, General Adnan, and Colonel Mustafa in a handicap match, which, like I mentioned up before, the special guest referee Sid Justice, as you start to see some hints towards WrestleMania 8. Yeah, I take back Hogan Brutus versus (laughs) Savage Zeus. This was the worst. And here's why this was the worst. Not only was it not a title match, we had some stupid three-on-two match. We needed to move on from that angle, right? It was bad enough that they main-evented WrestleMania 7 with Sergeant Slaughter as their Rocky sympathizer. The war is over. 
You got the Iron Sheik with a different name. So you're not even giving me the whole Iron Sheik wants revenge against Hulk Hogan for taking the title. I just think this is an example of a bad angle gone way too long. And now you got to go throw the Ultimate Warrior into this thing? I, I Forget the match. The idea that they went and continued with this is a big problem. There is a recurring theme of these late 80s, early 90s uh, pay-per-views, specifically these SummerSlams. There is a lot of love in America. So during this time, you know, WrestleMania 7 was, was, was in L.A., it's certainly in the height of uh, the Gulf War. It's certainly still during that time. Uh, and that's a big theme of this. And, but I think, like I said before, uh, Warrior bumps into Sid. Hulk bumps into Sid. Uh, at the end of the match, Warrior runs up the ramp and chases the guys up the ramp. And then Hogan, eh. must, Hogan must pose. But instead of, <laughs> instead of bringing out Warrior to pose with him, he brings out Sid Justice to pose yeah. with him. And for like three or four or five minutes to end the pay-per-view, it's Sid Justice ripping off his uh, referee onesie right, right, tank right. top and Hulk imposing. Could you, could you really tell? See, we're breaking the 90-second rule, but I have a follow-up for you. Could you really tell that they were leading towards Sid Justice and Hulk Hogan? In, in retrospect, yeah. In because, retrospect. Yeah, right. because they bumped into a call. Because you know, what side is Sid going to be on? Uh, like I said, Warrior and Hogan both ran into Sid, and they're like, what are you doing, bro? Um, so it wasn't, like, you know, hugely ornate, but there's enough seeds there where, like, you know, you know what? what? They were trying to build the WrestleMania what, what, 8. What's interesting about that is we all assume that they planned Hogan, Warrior, uh, Hogan Flair and then changed it because they didn't have good matches together or what have you. But if you buy that they were planting the seeds for Hogan Justice all the way back at SummerSlam, then maybe they really didn't have any intention of Hogan Flair at WrestleMania. Well, there's other things, too, where, you know, uh, there are so many... There were so many less times to see people on TV. I was thinking about that. Like, how many times did we see Hogan on TV when we rarely, were kids? Rarely. The Think f- about it. It was Superstars of Wrestling Wrestling Challenge, and we barely, they, they would ever barely be on that show. Four pay-per-views a year. Not even that in the 80s. Saturday night's main event. Yeah, all right. But the, even that was, like, what, quarterly? Uh, annually? No, like, it wasn't often. Was so, maybe you saw Hogan on TV eight, ten times a year. So when you saw him on TV, it was a big deal. So you can set up different things. They could have very easily been like, you know what? We weren't sure what side Sid was going to be on. We just wanted to create a little right. tension for the match. Then maybe they weren't building at all. And, and it, like I said, uh, Hogan Flair didn't work. So, like, you know what? There's that little bit of tension. So we can use that to go into, uh, you know, Rumble, tw- Rumble 92 and right. WrestleMania 8. And we saw what ended up happening. SummerSlam 1992. The main event mm. was the Intercontinental Champion, Bret Hart, defending against his brother-in-law, Davy Boy Smith, the British Bulldog. And I don't think we'll ever see another SummerSlam where the IC title main events, but looking back on it, it had to main event. Not only because of where it was at Wembley, but the WWE title match was this odd macho man Ultimate Warrior match. They were both faces, and the story was about who Ric Flair and Mr. (laughs) Perfect would help, and it ended either in a DQ or a countout. When you have a schmoz finish like that, it just can't main event a pay-per-view. And Brett and the Bulldog put on a great show. And we knew the Bulldog was going to be put over. And here's the other thing, looking back on it in retrospect. Months later, Bret Hart was about to become champion. November, yeah. This was their way of showcasing him, even in a loss, to say, hey, here's your future main eventer, main eventing. So it's odd to think the IC title main evented, but when you put all the pieces together, how could it not? Up until the late 1990s, the crowds are just out of this world for all these SummerSlams. The crowds are just losing their minds for even the most minute stuff. Uh, it was a great match. Uh, they had, uh, I think it was Diana Hart. I think yeah. that's the, uh, the, sister. the sister and uh, wife. Yep. Uh, she they kept cutting to her. It was a great story. Uh, with the, and the crowd super into Davy Boy. It was a wonderful match. It was a wonderful story. 
Uh, and this is the time in wrestling where you can end a pay-per-view with a, essentially a roll-up or really a, uh, a counter to a sunset right. flip. Uh, wonderfully done. Unfortunately, Davey Boy didn't, you know, didn't carry it for much longer, and he was never that. That was his never, peak. Never got to that next next level. Yep, that was his peak. He dropped the IC title to Shawn Michaels a few months later, and was a mid Carter for the rest of eternity. And arguably, that did more for Brett than Bulldog, and Brett lost a million percent. Well, that, and that's the thing with wrestling nowadays. We're always just kind of like everyone's worried about wins and losses, but if you do it right, it doesn't matter it doesn't. who wins or loses. By the way, I've realized five pay-per-views in, we're just going to ignore the clock. Because if we have good discussions, why are we going <laughs> to let the clock block us? By the way, we have done five pay-per-views. There has only been one WWF championship main event match. It's either been a tag team match or an IC title match. How about that? I just didn't say I find that interesting. And at this point, you know, I think WrestleMania is still the bell cow. Oh, clearly. This is just another event on the calendar because it was what? Uh, WrestleMania, then Survivor Series, then uh, I think SummerSlam. Then, I forget. It may have been very close on Survivor when. Series 87, I think, was the first one. Yeah, Survivor Series was definitely second. Yes. I don't remember who what third was, Rumble SummerSlam, or Slam. SummerSlam was 88, the first one. Right. And then the first Rumble, I think, was what, 90? I think it was 88. Well, the first pay-per-view was 90. The first two were on USA. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. So, I mean, it's semantics. But those first four, you know, were all in – or those other three were in service of right. WrestleMania. No, and clearly I think you can see by where they went with it, you're 100% right. Let's go to SummerSlam 1993. Another one that could be arguably the worst uh, main event. <laughs> uh, August 30th, 1993, from the Palace of Auburn Hills, they went to Detroit for the Lex Express uh, Yokozuna was defending his WWF World Heavyweight Championship against Lex Luger. Well, first of all, it's not that it was a bad main event or a bad angle. What was bad is that Lex celebrated a countout victory <laughs> as if he pitched a perfect game. That's the issue. Because, look, the, the angle with Lex, whatever you think of Lex Luger, whatever you think of him, the angle was great. He's the narcissist heel. He shows up on the Intrepid. He body slams Yokozuno. He goes on the Lex Express. He's clearly trying to replace Hulk Hogan. It is what it is. The problem was how they booked the ending. If you want Yokozuno to win dirty, fine. If you want to put the belt on Lex, fine. What you can't have happen is play all of us as a bunch of schmucks by having Lex hit him with that stupid forearm. He's got the metal plate in it. Knock Yoko out and then celebrate. You won by count out, you moron. And there wasn't a moment where he's like, uh, then celebrating because he was trying. Macho Man was was out there. Who else was out there? I'm trying to remember. All the faces. Yeah, it was it was an outright Crush disaster. Maybe the know. match was awful. It was longer than it needed to be. Uh, Lex was blown up. Yoko was in better shape at this point, but you know Lex just looked like you know crap essentially at that should time. Should they put a? Should they have put the belt on him? Listen, Yoko never really did it for me as champion. I, why the hell not? I mean, if you're trying to build him up as the next Hogan, you, you think about the trajectory of the belt. Uh, Bret Hart gets it in fall 92. Um, Rick gets it in January 92. Drops it to Macho Man. Macho drops it back to Flair in the fall, who drops it to Bret. And then Yoko takes it and then has it through 93 and loses it back to Bret in 94. So, you know, if you're trying to build up Bret over Luger, when you know what Vince likes, we all know what Vince likes. He likes the... Uh, the, the, the muscles, <laughs> big muscles. So when you think about that, why did he go with Brett over Luger during this time? Well, because Brett was ten times a better wrestler, and he was over Lex. The problem with Lex Luger is he was never really that over with the crowd. Yeah. as much as they tried. The point is, I, the match sucked. You're you're right. I didn't love the angle. My point 
what I mentioned at the top was that's not what I hate about it. What mm. I hate about it is how they book an ending that makes us all feel stupid. Uh, that's it, my biggest issue. Yeah, with no, it. I can't argue with that. But speaking of bad wrestle, uh, SummerSlam main events, <laughs> I was at this one. I was honored to be at the main event and the entire pay-per-view. SummerSlam 1994. August 29th, 1994. I'm going to ask why you were in Chicago. I'll tell uh, you. At the United Center, that brand new building, The Undertaker versus The Under Faker. Faker? Uh, here's why I was there. About six months earlier, my dad planned on taking me, a young Evan, an 11-year-old Evan, to go see the Mets at Wrigley Field. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, that's nice. August of 1994. I'll repeat, August <laughs> oh, of <no>! 1994. <laughs> there was a strike. So my dad said, let's see if we could still do this. Oh, wait. There's a pay-per-view in Chicago that week. And, oh, wait. The, believe it or not, the Giants are playing the Bears in an exhibition game at Soldier Field. So we still went to Chicago. We saw the Giants play the Bears at Soldier Field, my first football game ever. What a memory. And we saw the first event ever at the United Center. It actually was the opening of the United Center, and that was SummerSlam. So that was my reasons for being there. That is and endlessly, endlessly fascinating. I've got to meet your dad at some point because he just seems like a You've fascinating met my dad. I, you know, I have met your dad, yes. <laughs> what a jackass. <laughs> a nice man, that, that Mr. Roberts. Yeah. Uh, listen, it. it it was an interesting feud. They did a good job of the the pay per view package, the the preview. Uh, Ted DiBiase, for some reason, uh, has his own Undertaker. <laughs> uh, the uh, Paul Bearer comes back with the giant urn, right. like a just a gigantic urn with a light inside of it that summons uh, the real Undertaker, who uh, disappeared after I think Rumble '94. After Yoko buried him, and all the heels buried him in the cac- uh, the the casket. Didn't appear at WrestleMania ten. Disappeared. And then you're right, Ted DiBiase started showing up with what he claimed was The Undertaker. Paul Barris said, that's not The Undertaker. And you know what's funny? I'm going to tell you something a little controversial. I didn't hate this angle. I really didn't. Because Taker needed a break, apparently. They kill him off, you know, in the whole weird world of The Undertaker. And they bring him back to get revenge against the fake Undertaker. I have no issue with that. I really don't. My issue is that it main evented. That's my my issue is that we're talking about it right now in the SummerSlam retrospective main event podcast when we should be talking about Brett versus Owen in a steel cage in what was a freaking awesome match. That's the issue. It's not even the this is a cute cutesy angle. That's fine. You can't have it main event. It's Brett versus Owen in a cage, Dennis. It's it's start stop and start with these main event guys. And then you know, listen, the Undertaker was certainly a main event guy at this point yet. Yeah, no, it was not not a great match. A decent story, but I also don't love you know putting this much investment into a guy that we really never saw again, certainly not as the underfaker. Uh, he, he kind of tried to do a different thing. I think it's uh, Brian Lee who was fake uh, uh, fake Diesel, I think. Right. For a little, or no, uh, fake something. I used around uh, something else at some point. Uh, I just don't love... You know, putting a main event spot for it's, someone who's not a part of the product. It's just not a main event. It's, no. it's a fine. Like, I'll actually defend the angle. I think that's perfect for what the WWE was, Undertaker coming back. Because the Undertaker coming back had to be a big deal. They buried him for a while. And they've done that a few times when he goes away and he has this dramatic return. So I really didn't have a problem with that. It's just the main event. I mean, come on now. Left a lot to be desired. Uh, let's get to the next one. That is SummerSlam 1995. August 27th, 1995 from the Civic Arena in Pittsburgh. Your WWF champion Diesel defends against your king of the ring, King Mabel. I mentioned this on a podcast recently. I think it was uh, an instant reaction on one of the pay-per-views. And I said, 
Diesel's title run was ruined by his opponents. And this is a perfect example of it. Uh, no offense to Mabel. They tried to get him over. They made him king of the ring. They made him a dastardly heel after men on a mission as faces really didn't go anywhere. They needed to give Diesel real, strong, entertaining opponents. He had Shawn Michaels as a good opponent, but they won off it. They gave you the match at WrestleMania, and then Shawn turned face. Then they gave you Sid, and they give you Mabel. He just never had good opponents, and I think that's why Diesel's title run didn't make money and why Diesel's title run isn't looked back upon as a success. And I think a big part of it is the fact that they main evented SummerSlam with Diesel against Mabel. Yeah, it was not good. You know, Nash, especially at this point, was uh, an okay worker. Mabel is not, what, probably 500 pounds, was definitely not uh, a great worker in any capacity. Uh, so the match was was weak. The crowd was behind Diesel. Like In retrospect, I remember it being a down period. I certainly wasn't as invested as I was in later and previous times. Uh, but it was not a, a wonderful match in any capacity. Not a great story in any capacity. Um, Mabel does, you know, scream out that he wants to be the first black WWF champion. So, I mean, it's funny to think about. Did he say that? He said that multiple they, times. Yeah. How can how can you have a heel do that then? Like, you know what I mean? Well, during the that's match, that's supposed to be cool. Like, that's a great moment to break that barrier. So, why would they? Uh, listen, you think it was during the match? He during said the that? match, trying to get heat. Yeah, with. Um, why would he get heat from saying that? Why? Listen. Shouldn't we be rooting for that? That's good. Yeah. Not bad. Well, I mean, it's also he's trying to get, you know, some reaction from somebody in some capacity. Because there was not, it was a slog. It was certainly it was a, terrible a slog. match, yeah. And Pittsburgh's a good WWF city. Um, but that's a match that is not going to really you know, inspire anyone. Just to rebook it real quick. And by the way, we were destroying this clock. The clock's disappeared. But that's okay. Um, you know what I would have booked? Here's what I would have booked. I'm going to give you a rebooking. Sean turns face, ba 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 ba. They're buddies, two dudes with attitudes. In July, Sean says, Diesel, you're my friend, but I deserve a rematch. And that's what we get. Face versus face. And I know the I know the crowd would have supported Shawn Michaels, but they didn't have good heels back then. They just didn't develop any. And I think that would have actually helped Diesel, even if the crowd was booing him, to have this great match that Sean would have carried and have Diesel beat him. Yeah, 94 to 96, there was not a ton of talent. Once 96 comes along and, you know, Foley comes in and a little bit later Kane comes in and, like, you get better characters, you get better wrestlers, you get people that can, you know, work a little bit and react with the crowd. 94, 95 really wasn't that time. Same thing with Brett. Like, Brett's 94 run, you know, after Owen, like, from, from WrestleMania Bob to SummerSlam. Yeah, exactly. So it really wasn't super dope at that point. Yeah. So it, it gets better. It, it, it gets better. It will. And I thought it got better with this one. SummerSlam 1996. Uh, from the Gund Arena in Cleveland, Ohio, August 18th, 1996, your WWF champion Shawn Michaels defends against Vader. See, I actually thought this match was good. Uh, it just had weird things happen in the middle of it. Remember when the match ended and then they restarted Twice. it? Twice. What was that about? I, I don't know why you needed to protect Vader at this point. Uh, he was a little sloppy as well. You know, Michaels gets a little uh, frustrated, if yeah. you will, uh, with uh, D, uh, with Vader a little bit. Uh, yeah, it stopped, started twice. Um, Cornette, with, you know, he hits, he hits uh, Vader with Cornette's tennis racket and then gets... Were they doing that because they wanted to continue the feud, which they never did? Is that why they did that? I, that's the only thing I could think of. Yeah. And because, again, Vader, three years before this... Oh, it was good. ...was incredible. WCW yeah. Vader, early WWE. Yeah, great. 
Uh, but at this point, he was uh, what? Boy Meets World Vader? And yeah. that Vader was but not quite the uh, the same. You know why I didn't hate it, though? And I think it's the bar. Because I look back at Diesel Mabel, Undertaker, Underfaker, Lex Luger, Yokozuna, and I say, well, this was clearly better. You know, Sean was entertaining in the ring. He is mm. a great in-ring worker. So even though this is not one of his best matches, I just found it to be entertaining. And, I mean, the rumor has always stated that they were going to fight again at Survivor Series. Vader was going to win. Basically, Vader was going to be Psycho Sid. And Sean put a power play on it and said, I don't want to work with this guy. And if that's the case, that's ultimately what killed Vader because Vader's career in the WWF just was not nearly what it could have been, especially considering how good he was in WCW. Yeah, at, at past this point, he never really was got quite back to the mountaintop there. Now things are about to change. SummerSlam is about to get really good. SummerSlam 97, another one I was in the building for. At the Continental Airlines Arena in East Rutherford, New Jersey, August 3rd, 1997, your WWF champion, The Undertaker, defending against Bret Hart with special guest referee Shawn Michaels. If Bret Hart loses, he can never again wrestle in the United States. If uh, what Shawn Michaels doesn't call it directly down the middle, he can't wrestle. In, I think there was another. I <laughs> there was the... weird stipulations on that. <laughs> By the way, for anyone listening, if you want to look this up, would you say the date was August third? August third, nineteen ninety-seven. I have this vivid memory of Greg McMichael blowing the game for the Mets that day, and the Mets losing. Him getting the loss or him giving up the game-winning run. So, And I remember listening to the game in the parking lot at Continental Airlines Arena. So if you want to fact-check me, baseball reference, <laughs> August 3rd, 1997. I'm confident Greg McMichael got the loss for the New York Mets. Uh, this, was, this was good. This was good for a couple of reasons. WWF's turning it around right now. You've got a heel Bret Hart, and we all love that heel character. The, you know, I'm Mr. Canada, I hate America heel. You've got Undertaker that has now had a run as champion. His first real run as champion. That first run doesn't count. It lasted five days before Tuesday in Texas. And then you got the Shawn Michaels factor. And what I remember about that is I didn't really know what was going to happen. You knew something was going to go down with Shawn, but I wasn't sure what. And how well booked was this? Shawn gets spit on by Brett, is going to hit Brett with the chair because they hate each other. And he hits Undertaker. And and the, the acting was great. Sean's like, oh, God, I got to count them. And Brett's <laughs> like, whoa, this is cool. And Brett pins Undertaker for the first title change for the WWF Championship wow. at SummerSlam. This is the very first one, 97, Brett Overtaker. Brett Hart's fifth and final WWF Championship uh, leading into Survivor Series 97, which, you know, we'll probably need to talk about at some point. Uh, a wonderful match booked out of this world. Oh. Uh, the last SummerSlam before the Attitude Era. Uh, but this definitely has an Attitude Era feel to it. Um, like I said, Undertaker getting his first real uh, t- title reign. Um, and you, it just it felt like a big deal. It felt like you had three men of main eventers in the, in the ring. And you don't always get that feel. But Undertaker was on, at his peak. Bret Hart was pretty damn near his peak. And Shawn Michaels was at his peak. It was about as good as it gets, and it was a lot of fun to rewatch. Pound for pound, you could argue maybe the best main event, not as far as the wrestling, but as far as everything around it. The star power, like you mentioned, the booking of it, and the wrestling was good. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it was a bad match. I just think everything put together makes it one of the more entertaining main events in SummerSlam. And these guys were wrestling for years, so there was backstory there. Like, you knew 
Brett and Sean didn't like each other, yeah. even if you didn't know the 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 kayfabe versus non kayfabe. Undertaker had you know issues with both guys, and you know that's not something we see nowadays nearly enough. No, I agree. So it was uh, a right place, right time. Hell of a match. Another SummerSlam I was at. I'm on a hot streak right now. SummerSlam 1998. Back in your favorite building, Madison Square Garden, August 30th, 1998. Your WWF champion, Stone Cold Steve Austin, defending against The Undertaker. On the highway to hell. (laughs) Uh, It was all right. Uh, To me, it was very predictable. This is the Austin era. Uh, you had the the angle that they were working of Undertaker and Kane maybe friends now. They were kind of playing with that, even though they had just fought an inferno match and fought at WrestleMania. I didn't think that was necessary. I thought it was good as a face versus face match. The problem is, if you're a face and you're taking on Stone Cold Steve Austin, you're not a face. Because right. Austin's popularity was at its ultimate peak. Austin beat him relatively cleanly, right? He stunned him and pinned him. Yeah. So I thought it was solid, but predictable. Yeah, but which needed to happen because you're building Stone Cold up, uh, up as uh, your face of the company. So, yeah, it was pretty standard, entertaining, uh, but not earth-shattering in any way. You know what I remember most about that SummerSlam? I remember Rock Triple H in the ladder match. Which was great. Yeah, that uh, was the match of the night. You know, H goes over Rock there. Rock goes on to win the WWF title at Survivor Series. H wins the... Uh, the title after SummerSlam 99, the night after on Raw. Right. So those are two guys that, and that's what's fun to watch with some of these other events is that you, you watch, like you mentioned, Triple H and Rock as undercarder, you know, upper mid-carters. Right. And then over the next couple of years, you go to SummerSlam 2000. They're essentially the main oh, event. Oh, yeah. And you so, could tell then that they were on the verge of it, that yeah. these guys were clearly going to be main event. Which was all, which is awesome. A, a really wonderful feeder uh, system that you don't quite see as often Not nowadays. Not quite as much. SummerSlam 1999. Which feels like, even though uh, it's 20 years ago, it feels like it just happened in my mind. I can't (laughs) believe it's 20 years ago. August 22nd, 1999, uh, from the Target Center in Minneapolis, your WWF champion Stone Cold Steve Austin defends against the man of many H's and mankind in a triple threat with Jesse Ventura guest refereeing again, but this time... As the governor. Right. <laughs> Which they were very proud of, that they got a sitting governor to guest referee main event. You know what I remember most about this? The booking. That they changed the main event numerous times leading into this card. We all thought it was going to be Triple H, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Triple H was going to be put over. And I think at that time, you were probably cool with it. It was before one of his uh, 5,000 runs as champion. Listen, uh... But he was a heel. He was a dastardly heel. And I think he was ready for that push. But... WWE was afraid because they changed the they changed it to China Stone Cold Steve Austin. That was the main event for a week. For China, a, I, I don't think they were to go that I way. I know though. that, but my point is they didn't say this is the main event and go with it. They changed it numerous times before settling on a triple threat. Well, this is another uh, case of a main eventer calling a shot. Uh, Austin didn't want to drop the belt to, to Hunter, so they added Foley to the match. Foley wins with a, a double arm DDT, which I'm I not know. sure he's ever won before or since with. Uh, and, you know, that's the end of SummerSlam. Yeah, that, I love Austin. But if he was the one that did this, then it's a disservice. Because if you're going to make Triple H the champion, and they eventually did numerous times during that run, that's when the title was a hot potato. Vince McMahon actually became champion for about August a week. August 99, yeah. Yeah, during this. So it was a hot potato title. Big Show got the title before Triple H got it back. Then have him beat Austin. Even if there's got to be some healness in it, something dirty, 
You really got to have Mick Foley win so that the next night Triple H could take it from him? I thought it cheapened Triple H's first championship victory. I'm not going to argue with that. After the match, you know, Hunter gets his, heel, uh, his, his heat back, and he beats the crap out of Stone Cold with a right, chair. And right. his, uh, I don't know if he did sledgehammer, whatever. I forgot what it was with. Uh, so, obviously, building for when Austin came back. But, you, you know, this is, what, two years after, you know, the neck surgery. And we didn't make mention of that. Well, uh, SummerSlam 98 was a year after the neck surgery or next neck injury. Right, Austin got hurt in the Owen match yeah, in an undercard IC title match. After. Yep. Yeah, so, yep. I mean, certainly a different um, Stone Cold at this point. And when did he come? I'm trying to remember when he came back. Rumble 2000? No, he came back. Longer than that because he wasn't at WrestleMania 2000. No, it was actually before that. Wait, when did he come back? Yeah. I think like October of 2000. So it was a full year. Yeah, well, he missed a long time. Yeah, well. He missed almost a year, yeah, if memory serves correct. I'm trying to remember back. Um, There's a a lot to remember. Yeah, dude, dude, I'm trying to. (laughs) My head's starting to hurt. Uh, Let's get to the next one. We are at SummerSlam 2000, where there is no Stone Cold Steve Austin, as we talked about. August 27th, 2000, from the Raleigh, North Carolina Entertainment and Sports Arena. Going to the the south at this point. Uh, The Rock as the WWF champion against Kurt Angle, against Triple H. And watching this back, it was pretty much a Rock versus Triple H um, match. Um, Kurt Angle gets pedigreed into a table, which I think he legitimately got hurt on. Right. Although... That that injury was built into the match anyway because he goes out on a stretcher, but when he comes back to to have his run in, he is certainly the light. The uh, oh yeah, the shop is open, but the lights are out. You know, did this not feel like it was more about Kurt Angle and Triple H than The Rock? The A Rock million percent. was the third wheel in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yet he's the bigger star and he's the champion. I, I really enjoyed the Kurt Angle Triple H angle that they had. And they actually had a main event for the title, I think, at that Royal Rumble a few months later, in which they were both heels. And you rarely see that, a championship match between two heels. I just think at this point, they tried to make you forget about The Rock. It was about Stephanie, and does she like cute Kurt Angle? (laughs) And Triple H is jealous, and I'm holding Trish Stratus. Wasn't that there where... She oh, the, the arm on. bar or whatever, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, that's the, the thing I remember. And The Rock won. He retained the championship. I think he lost it a month later or two months later to Kurt Angle, mm-hmm. whenever it was. But The Rock sort of was a forgotten guy here, even though he was the main eventer. I mean, Rock versus Triple H is a main event anywhere in the world, so that was certainly entertaining. And watching young, I, what 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 do we call uh, the, the game, I guess, Triple H post-DX um, in, the tr- in the trunks and the... Right. Uh, let's just say uh, more uh, in shape. We'll, we'll, let's call it that. Let's uh, <laughs> juiced up. So I mean, it, it was it was entertaining. It just reminded me a lot of my yeah. high school years watching wrestling, and it was, you it was know, fun to walk, they, look back on. They needed Angle in this because they had run that Rock Triple H feud over and over and over again. So I think for them to be wrestling in the main event, they needed something to make. But it they different. never really had like because they they had the match at, at SummerSlam a couple years prior. But, like, WrestleMania 2000 was a four-man match. This is a triple threat no, match. No, no, but in the pay-per-views, the off-pay-per-views mm. leading into this, they had fought one-on-one Backlash numerous times. And, right, yeah, you're right. Iron Man match. There was a, all sorts of crap. Yeah. And the title kept flipping. I, I, that is the one period of time where I have a very difficult time remembering who was champion because they, they flipped it a couple of times. Yeah, because... Title uh, was hot potato back then. Yeah, Triple H defended at WrestleMania 2000. Then I think he lost it to the next pay-per-view. And then the he Rock. won it back. And then he lost... It was it was all over the place. Uh. This is a weird one. SummerSlam 2001. And you were, uh, sorry, so this was from San Jose, California at the Compact Center. You're defending w- WCW champion yeah. Booker T against The Rock. So, 
I mean, in the history of SummerSlam, we actually get to say the WCW Championship. <laughs> Not the world title, even though it's the same belt. The WCW Championship main evented. And it makes sense. Why? Because the WWF champion was Austin, who was feuding with Angle, and they had a schmoz finish. Mm. They did not have a clean finish for the championship. It was a DQ. Obviously not a main event thing with a DQ. And The Rock, I wouldn't say he's the biggest star in the company. Austin still probably is. But Austin's a heel. The Rock's the face. The Rock's fighting Booker T. The Rock's going over. So from that standpoint, it should have main evented. But again, the WCW championship was given more credibility than the WWF title. I'm sorry. Those are the facts. It main evented. So as much as we get on Vince for flushing WCW down the tubes, he main evented SummerSlam with the WCW title. The invasion angle didn't go over for a variety of reasons, a lot of reasons, not the least of which, you know, watching this back, Booker T was never a threat. He just never was. Right. I mean, the crowd wasn't into him as a heel, which, you know, again, Booker T, super talented, was a main event, a legit main eventer in WCW, and later a legit main eventer in WWE. But at this time, the WWF audience was still very much anti-WCW for a variety of reasons. The only person that was really over from the alliance, other than, I guess, Stone Cold eventually, uh, was like RVD. I can't remember. Yeah. Like They didn't do anything with DDP at this point. They didn't do anything with any of those well, other they guys. Shouldn't have had, Storm, like, you know, what were they doing? They shouldn't have had the invasion at this point. No, and no, I, no way. We could do a whole podcast about that. But it was just weird that when they did the invasion, they have this WCW title, which continued its lineage because Booker T did win it from Scott Steiner on that final Nitro, and they started defending it. And if memory serves correct, Booker actually lost the WCW title a few weeks earlier to Kurt Angle and then won it back. So they'd already had a WCW title change. Now The Rock wins it. I think The Rock and your boy Chris Jericho feuded for it. So they made the WCW title, you know, another championship. It was was odd. Yeah, Shane was out there with Booker T taking some bumps. But, yeah, they, you know, uh, Rock wins it in, in August. I think he drops it. Does he drop it ahead of losing to – he drops it to Jericho in October. And then wins it wins back. Wins it back almost immediately. And then they uh, eventually unify the titles, At uh, Vengeance 2001, which is my pinnacle as a <laughs> wrestling fan. But, again, that's not what we're talking about today. I beat Austin and Rock at the same night. It's just – I don't know. They could have booked um, the, the invasion very differently, and it's odd to look back and see the WCW title as a main event of a SummerSlam. Well, they could have shelved it. Instead of well, bringing them in immediately, done. just shelve it yeah. and do like a reverse he, NWO and just have like Goldberg show up and been amazing. Nash show up didn't, or whatever. Didn't The Rock win with a people's elbow, by the way? I think he did. <laughs> I think he did, too. Yeah. Uh, let's go to su- another SummerSlam I've been to. I, I think SummerSlam is the most popular pay-per-view I've been to personally. SummerSlam 2002 from Nassau. So I have uh, opinions about this, but I want to hear your take being in the building. August 25th, 2002 from Nassau, from the Nassau Coliseum. The Rock as your WWE undisputed champion against your King of the Ring and number one contender, Barack Lesnar. One of the great pay-per-views of all time. Let's start with that. Rey Mysterio, Kurt Angle was on that pay-per-view. It opened the show. It was amazing. It was an incredible match. I loved this main event. I loved it. First of all, the crowd turned on The Rock. Hated The Rock. Hated The Rock. Hated The Rock. They were pro-Brock Lesnar because we all knew The Rock was leaving. And what was great is they put Brock over. And the ending, you got to go back and watch it. When Brock kind of reversed, I think it was going to be a rock bottom. And you know, they spin around a little bit. And then he gets him into the F5 and beats him. 
I thought it was a really cool ending. It was a clean ending, and it really put Lesnar over. I know they were building Brock up, but for him to win the championship cleanly over the rock, uh, I thought that was the perfect exclamation points on one of the biggest and fastest builds the WWE ever pulled off. He had uh, that four month run was absolutely incredible. And I was thinking about that because his first run was only two years. Right. That first four months was incredible. And then, you know, he drops the belt to show and then wins it back in 19 with the concussion. And, like, there, was a, there were a lot of ups and downs during that run, more so than I remember. But that first four months is impeachable. Yeah, I think that here's where it ended for Brock. I thought his feud with Undertaker was great. I thought beating him in hell on a cell, the blood on his body after beating <laughs> yeah. him. That was the ultimate. I think after that, it all went downhill. I mean, booking him to lose to the big show. When he F5'd the show at Madison Square Garden, it was one of the loudest I've ever heard the Garden. It was at Survivor Series. It was incredible. And to have the big show beat him as dirty as it was to end the streak, I thought was really, really foolish. I thought in ways it was worse than the taser of Bill Goldberg. <laughs> well, I really do. That was going to be the question I had for you. When you, know, when you think of Lesnar's initial run, it made me think of Goldberg's initial run. Yeah. And how how not long for the business both of those guys were. And if you're going to bring someone in, like Sheamus got the belt within a couple of months. Like, you've seen it a couple of times. Obviously, you didn't get the monster push that Lesnar or Goldberg did. But are you doing those guys a disservice? Because those guys burned down on the business very quickly. Uh, they didn't have a chance to, you know, grow. They didn't right. have a chance to, to nah, essentially I... earn it. But, like, you know, so I understand it was the right call to do it, but... They also left very quickly after the runs ended. I think it's the persons that they were. I don't think their run really did it. I mean, Brock Lesnar was just never a wrestling fan, right? He was a businessman. So I don't know if he would have had a different run, what that would have done to his career, you know, if he would have lasted longer. One thing I remember about this, and I've told this story before being in the arena because it was cut off the pay-per-view, is after the match was over, Brock leaves, The Rock is in the ring, and he's getting booed. And he grabs the microphone and says, finally, and the booze get louder. Just drain him <laughs> out. And he stops, and he gives a look. He's like, all right, finally, and the booze get even louder. And then he ends it with, finally, it doesn't matter where the rock is come back to when he throws the mic on the ground. So he left as a heel. Now, I don't think it was on TV. No, I don't know it if wasn't. it was ever recorded. But that what and when he did that, we all started cheering him because that's what we wanted. <laughs> we wanted heel rock. We yeah. wanted the old rock. The the two thousand three Hollywood rock uh was so great. The rock concerts, <laughs> yes. the uh, the giant belt buckle. It was a that was a pretty good one. Oh, run. he was awesome. He was awesome. Uh we spent a lot of time on that. Boy, we may we may have to go back to the ninety second rule right now. <laughs> Let's go to SummerSlam 2003. Uh, in Phoenix, Arizona at the America West Arena, August 24, 2003, the first ever Elimination Chamber with Triple H defending his World Heavyweight Championship against Chris Jericho, Kevin Nash, Shawn Michaels, Randy Orton, and Goldberg. Well, it was the second ever Elimination oh, Chamber. Oh, okay. What's the Survivor first one? Survivor Series where Shawn oh, won no. in 2002, Two. just a few months later right. after that SummerSlam we talked about. I, I apologize. I'm a monster. Totally okay. Um, <laughs> this is terrible. I mean, first of all, the star power in that match is off the charts. Very WCW-like. They finally got Goldberg over. I mean, Goldberg was destroying everybody, spearing guys through the glass. He had to win. And if he wasn't going to win, then don't main event the pay-per-view with this. That would be my advice. Then main event it with Lesnar Angle. I think they actually had a rematch at this event. Go with that. 
Don't give me Triple H with the sledgehammer who's barely in the match wearing weird bicycle shorts stopping Goldberg. And even though Goldberg won the title a month later, this was the moment he should have won it. You could have had your Goldberg-Triple H feud because obviously they needed a one-on-one match, but he was a beast that night. And I just thought it was the chicken you-know-what way out to have Triple H win the, defend the title that night. And he's done it more than uh, on one occasion where he's held the belt where he should have dropped it, and then when he actually does drop it, it, it loses its loss. The, only, the first time, he's done it since, the first time he did it was was with Batista at what Mania twenty one in oh uh, five. Yep. yep. But during this run, this like oh two to oh five run, listen, I didn't love it. But again, watching him with the feathered hair and no beard and oh god, I hated that evolution <laughs> Triple H. <laughs> That's fair. Oh boy. SummerSlam this one's gonna be fun. SummerSlam two thousand and four. August fifteenth, two thousand four from the Air Canada Center in Toronto. Uh, it's uh, defending the w, w, uh, the World Heavyweight Championship against 24-year-old Randy Orton. Uh, you know, Chris Benoit had a weird run as champion. They, they really put him over in beating Triple H. They really, and Shawn Michaels, they really put him over winning the backlash triple threat match. And I think after that, once Triple H was out of the picture, it was a very clunky run. Uh, I don't think they gave him great opponents. I didn't think they gave him great angles. And I just don't think Randy Orton was ready. Now, I don't have a better alternative on what should have happened here. I mean, I think we were all sick of Triple H. They had Triple H feuding with uh, Eugene at that point, if memory serves correct. But this felt forced. This felt as if Vince was thinking about Brock Lesnar the entire time, how he needed to get a younger champion to take away the whole youngest WWE champion thing from Lesnar. And I don't think Randy Orton at all was ready for this. Was it time for Benoit to give up the title? Probably. No, I'm not going to dispute that. I, I just don't think Randy Orton was the guy. And it was weird. He was he was the heel. The crowd, I, I, you know, was disappointed. It was weird to have the pay-per-view end with a heel winning. I know we saw that with Lesnar and Triple H. But, I don't know, I guess in this case, it also it felt weirder. And it was confusing. And, I, listen, far be it for me to be the guy that says that Triple H should have won the belt. But this is an opportunity to do it because if you're going to put the belt on Randy Orton at a 24-year-old and have him only hold the belt for a month right. and essentially be a transitional champion, it doesn't make him look good. It doesn't make anybody look good. It doesn't make the guy he took the belt from look good. It doesn't make really Triple H look good. No one looks good in this scenario. So why do that? Um, just just have Triple H win the belt at SummerSlam. If you want to have him feud with Orton and turn Orton face, which, again, didn't really work super well, but I understand what they're we're going for. The only reason I can think of is that, you know, WWE certainly does certain things, like when they had the, the New Day win the ta- or hold the tag team titles right. for, for as long as they did and to, to break that yeah. record. This is one of those moments where they wanted a 24-year-old Orton no doubt. to break that record. You're totally right. Why give him the belt to lose it a month later? I think they also could have, if they wanted Orton Triple H to main event WrestleMania, and I think maybe that was what they thought at the time, they should have kept Orton heel as champion and Triple H being supportive and then turn on him a few months later. Which is what they did, uh, kind of what they did with Batista, what, a year later? Right. They dragged that out, you know? I don't think that was a year later. I think that was a well, few months a year later. later. Yeah, six months that later. That was what they ended up doing, ultimately. Yeah. Uh, SummerSlam 2005. Uh, this is one of my favorites. August 21st, 2005, from the MCI Center in Washington, D.C., the icon, Shawn Michaels versus the legend, Hulk Hogan. I forget which one's the icon <laughs> and which one's the legend. But Hulk Hogan versus HBK, Shawn Michaels. This is remembered for Shawn selling. <laughs> it's so great. That's all it's remembered for. 
I barely remember the build. I guess they tag-teamed on some random show, and then Sean super kicked them, and everybody was like, why did he do it? Well, no, so they had the the the, the, Larry, the fake Larry King thing where, where Shawn Michaels is dressed up as Hogan. Yeah, after Sean turned. Which is right. so great. I think Hogan came back, because I think I was there for it, at the Garden with uh, Muhammad Hassan and Davari. Uh, Michaels was begging him to come back. He said, you got you to gotta help me out. You got to get back. And Michaels turns heel for, like, a couple weeks, kind of. It's just like, I just, I just got to know. I just got to know yeah. Hogan. It's almost as if they decided we're going to do Shawn Michaels, Hulk Hogan, which is great. I mean, they're two legends. How do we do this? Oh, let's turn Shawn Hill for a few weeks. I mean, it was, it was clunky. It was just weird. And I think they could have gone face versus face. I don't think they needed to do something like that, especially when Shawn was going to turn back face. Immediately. Immediately. But that match, all I remembered for was the overselling. And clearly, Sean was ticked off that they were going to put Hulk Hogan over just for Hulk Hogan to then leave. If Hogan was going to stay and have another run, it would have made more sense. But if he was going to leave immediately, they should have put Sean over. Well, and that's the thing, too. I think, I think the original plan was to have a, a trifecta of matches. Right. Uh, and they split. And then if Hogan gets the uh, the rubber match, you know, have it be what it be. But going into that, Michaels knew this was going to be a one-off deal. And he's like, you know what? I'm getting screwed. I'm coming back for this. Like, what kind of nonsense is that? No, and he... He's oversee oversells the corner spot. He oversells uh, so great. It was amazing. Yeah. I think it actually adds to the match in history because now when we look back on it, you want to watch Shawn Michaels oversell. It's hilarious. Yeah, that's but probably the one I've watched most. SummerSlam 2006. Now this is where this is more of a more modern era, at least for me. Um, post uh, college at this point, essentially, it's interesting because these start to blur together. Yes, you know, totally agree. Uh, August two, August twentieth, two thousand six. From the TD Bank North Garden, Boston, Massachusetts, Edge, as a WWE champion, goes into Cena's hometown to defend the WWE championship. Yeah, here's why they sync together. Because I think until this point, there was some very big differences between every main event that made it memorable. Whether it was Shawn against Hogan, whether it was Benoit dropping the title, the Elimination Chamber, the beginning of Brock. Now I think we just start to see this modern era of just regular title matches. You know, at this point... The problem was Rob Van Dam had become champion, and it was awesome, right? He cashes in. He has that drug issue, and it caused everything to change. So I don't know what they initially were going to do at 2006, but at this point, Edge and John Cena, I mean, I'm glad they got their feud because, remember, Edge had cashed in on Cena and then lost the title back a month later. But it it felt very regular to me. And I think this started because I think Cena held the belt for about a year or just over a year before he tore his peck. Right. So I think this started that title run, if I remember correctly. Well, no, because Edge won the match. Okay, maybe not. When, it, when did that run About happen? a month or two later. Okay. Which is, again, a problem because I think it would have been more memorable if Cena won that match, and that's what began his long reign. His reign began, I think, in a TLC match. About a month or two later. Right, because he, he beat Edge. goes through the two, the two tables, right? Which was great. It was a great ending. I still remember it, but it wasn't SummerSlam. It was some other pay-per-view, whether it was TL, whatever it was named, I don't remember. But No, and this was an era where I was excited for Edge to be a main eventer. He won the right. belt in January, so he's really just getting that first main event push. Um, I, but I, other than that, I can't, again, this all, all blurs together for me at this I point. I completely agree, and I think the next one I feel the same way about, and that is SummerSlam 2007. Were you there for this one? I was. August 26, 2007, uh, back in Jersey at the Continental Airlines Arena, your WWE champion John Cena defends against Randy Orton, who's having a decent run at this point. This was the pay-per-view I almost got ejected from Wait, because, what? yeah, it, I think this is the right one. Oh Triple H, Booker T fought at that one. 
It was Triple H's return against King Booker. Well, that was 2000. Yeah, okay. I think it was that one. Okay. Uh, Triple H and Booker T were fighting near me. I was sitting ringside, and I went to go slap, I think, Triple H. And a security guard was, you can't do that. I said, no, I was going to give him a love tap. I wasn't going to slap him seriously. Like the, like the Warriors owner against the, the, the Raptors, dude? No, just like, just not the, at all. <laughs> it was more, I'm going to get to touch uh, a WWE Hall of Famer. I know that sounds bizarre. Uh, but is, is Taz a WWE Hall of Famer or no? Not, not quite. Yet. Not yet. All right. <laughs> so you could say you, you, pre, you pre-touch the uh, right. WWE Hall of Famer. Right. No, again, it's another one of those where it's like, it's it's just I, it doesn't very little for me. Randy Orton and John Cena, arguably boringest feud in WWE history, and they fought at SummerSlam numerous times. Not always in the main event. I think this was the only time they main evented, but they did fight at SummerSlam a few times. I know John Cena beat him. He continued his run, the run that you talked about. He would finally not drop it, but get hurt a few mm, months later right. in a feud that continued with Randy Orton. It's just when I think of Cena Orton, this is my reaction. <sighs> Randy Orton is probably, I, I respect the hell out of Randy Orton. He's been a, a top guy in the company for 16 years, uh, almost 20 years being one of the top guys. I, I can't tell you, other than like the build to WrestleMania 25, which ended not the way we wanted it to, other than that, there are very few Orton matches or moments that really like stand out to me. I think, well, better all time, Triple H or Randy Orton. I, I mean, I have to say Triple H. It's Triple H. I'm not happy Randy about Orton it. Randy Orton is the most mediocre Hall of Famer. Me- I, uh, that, that's not correct. Mediocre, multi-time WWE champion. He, but he's, I think he's above mediocre. He's talented. But, like, it just, it just never, other than the RKO, if he didn't have the RKO, if his finisher was, I don't know, whatever, just come up with another A finisher punt. that's not... Uh, yeah, I just he would be, he wouldn't be the same character. Nah, I, I, listen, man, I completely agree with you. SummerSlam 2008. From the Conseco Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, The Undertaker versus Edge in a Hell in a Cell. And you know what's cool about this? You know, and Shawn Michaels, Hulk Hogan, you could throw out because we know about their icon level. This is a non-title match. You know, every one of these matches we've gone through has been for the championship. Mostly guys retaining, which has been kind of the history of SummerSlam. You know, very few times do you see a new champion, as we talked about early on. But they felt this angle was compelling enough. The story was long enough the hell in the cell aspect of it was sexy enough that, and I think this says a lot about Edge and Undertaker at this point, that they thought this was, and they were right, by the way, the biggest match of the night in an era in which they had two championships. And I think that says a lot about those two gentlemen. And this is the year of WrestleMania 24 where they main evented WrestleMania, Correct. right? So yeah. I, Edge is one of my favorite uh, wrestlers of all time. He, This run is, is wonderful uh, for a, a variety of reasons. It was a good match in, in Hell in a Cell. Um, again, I, I like you, I like having the title main event shows. Um, but I think this is one of the ones that they can get away with it a little bit. Can you remember what the title matches were for that pay-per-view? In 2008. Um, but who are the champions? I, I think there was another Cena Orton match. I think one no, of the match. I no, swear I'm going to into God. it. Hold on, let's go into this. Yeah. Cause Cena had come back. Remember he came back really quick off that injury. And I think it was Cena Orton as one of the title match. Nope, I'm wrong. Correct. Okay, correct me. What Cena, was it? It was Cena Batista in a singles match, not for the title. Batista went over. Punk over JBL for that the was... world title. Oh, jeez. Because he just won the belt. Right. And he was in and that was weird the other one? Uh, Triple H defending the WWE Championship 
against Great Khali. Great Khali. Yeah, you know what? They had to go Undertaker Edge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you know what? The main, the main event should have been Cena Batista. They wasted that. Those were the two biggest stars. And I remember the Mike Adamley thing. Oh, God. Where he's like, this is going to be the main event. And we were all stunned by it. And Batista beat him clean, by the way. Yeah. Batista had a great run there this time. That WrestleMania 23, that great match against The Undertaker. Uh, how, did they, how did they have Batista Cena? No title, no main event for the first time ever. How do you do that? That is the that may be one of the stupidest booking decisions in history. I'll so, go that far. So the Undertaker came back as the Dead Man in two thousand four. Yes, right. So th- that run from 04 to maybe what when he retired Michaels in twelve or no ten he re- retired him in twenty six. So right. uh, that six year run, Undertaker was probably the biggest guy in the company at no, that I, point. I, even listen, I understand Cena, I understand Batista, but Batista was never like the guy. The I, guy. I guess my point is that should have been for a title, and it shouldn't have been at that SummerSlam. Okay. They eventually did fight at a WrestleMania, and by the way, that didn't main event either. Okay. Uh, let's go to <laughs> SummerSlam 2009. So this begins a run at Staples Centers in LA. Uh, is it is Jeff Hardy, your World Heavyweight Champion, in a TLC match against Punk? This is crazy that this main event, and I think it's great. It was a tremendous match. It was a good feud between these two guys, but this felt very different. I mean, when you think about John Cena and The Undertaker and Hulk Hogan and all the guys that main evented SummerSlams, and now it is the rising CM Punk prior to the pipe bomb. So it's not pipe bomb CM Punk, but the rising CM Punk and the rising Jeff Hardy in this crazy TLC match for the world title. It's kind of cool that these guys were given that chance to main event. And it was a wonderful match, and I, I was certainly pro-punk at this point. Uh, and this is the one where he he wins the belt and Taker comes back? Is that the, the I think summer so, yeah, 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 so, yeah. I think that's how it went. So, yeah, so, I mean, listen, for as much as punk was uh, angsty for, for as long as he was, he won the money in the bank twice, he cashed in twice. Uh, you know, he had the summer of punk in 2011, which I don't know how far you're into that at this point. Uh, going I back and watch- so, I yeah. watched all of those Raws. So, That's what I did for a while. Which the intervention will be later on today. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it, uh, it, it was a fun match, and it felt different. And anytime the yes. the company has faith in, in – you don't want to say youth because Jeff Hardy had been in the company for 15 years at that but point. But it still was youth in it, a yeah, way. It was youth and new, yeah. It was so different, and yeah. it, was, it was great. I think they made a good decision with that. That's one of the better matches. Uh, speaking of the opposite of that, oh, God. SummerSlam 2010. August 25th, uh, 2010, back at the Staples Center. I am not going to list all the names of this match unless you want me to. No. It's Team WWE versus The Nexus. So when Nexus debuted, it was cool. I think we all agreed with that. Them coming out, destroying the ring. Even though as somebody that wasn't watching that, they didn't even call him Nexus at first. They just called him NXT because that was the name of the show. I I didn't know half the guys. I didn't care about half the guys. But it was a great angle. It was really cool. It felt NWO-like. It felt different. I don't know if the answer to that feud is to have a seven-on-seven match. I just don't think that's the answer. And I certainly don't think the answer is to have John Cena become Superman and beat everybody. John Cena's already Superman. He's already over. He's already the top guy. So if you're going to go pull the trigger on putting these guys in the main event, then you got to put them over. And I think that's a very popular opinion. I think everybody agrees with that. But I just don't know if the continuation of that feud should have been this. Because I, I personally, I wasn't ready because I didn't know a lot of these guys. You got to make us, you got to legitimize them first before you do that. And I guess this was your chance to legitimize them, and then you didn't. No, I, Wade Barrett was uh, like a what a five seven time Intercontinental Champion after this. 
Uh, but there were opportunities to put the belt on him. There were opportunities to make him a main event guy. And this is the first of those opportunities where they're just like, you know what? Cena goes over. Cena wins. And at the time, it was awful. I think there was some spot on the floor that he recovered from and didn't sell at all. Right. And I think he went over. I think it was what? Barrett and Otunga were the last two guys, were, I think. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you had – I couldn't tell you. Bret Hart, which is be, beyond healthy at this point. Um, R-Truth and John Morrison, I forgot, were in this match. Edge and Jericho were heels at the time. Uh, and returning Danielson, which was a surprise. Yeah, that uh, was cool getting to see him come back because they supposedly fired him at first when he was choking. Uh, when, Justin Roberts. Justin, my cousin. Can't believe he did that. <laughs> but, again, it's one of those moments where, you know, I th- Danielson lasted in the match for a while. Um, but, again, this is an opportunity to put Wade Barron and make him a legit guy. And it's just the, the start of a, a career that shouldn't have been, at least in my opinion, a, a lot better. Big mistake. Everything about this was a mistake, let's be honest. SummerSlam 2011. Oh, another mistake. Uh, August 14th, 2011, back at Staples Center, your WWE World, uh, WWE Champion CM Punk versus your WWE <laughs> Champion John Cena. I still can't believe that they still classify both guys as champions. Well, I mean, I, I understand. CM Punk was champion. I agree. I know they did a tournament and Mysterio B, but they actually count that as a championship run, which means John Cena is completely illegitimate as the guy to tie Ric Flair's championship record. It's not true. Listen, I, I don't mi- I don't mind them doing the angle where they recreate the WWE championship, but if you're going to do it, have it last longer than a week. Punk was gone for a week. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So, I, listen, what they should have done, again, if we're rebooking, have them go to ROH. Have him go to New Japan. Have Punk, you know, go across the world. And listen, I understand there is some risk involved there because if you have your WWE champion, you're risking someone uh, going against script and, uh, you know, going over your champion. But it would have been dope. It would have been a lot of fun. And I think people would have responded to that. When Punk Punk came back a week later, people didn't know what cult of personality was. They didn't know what the hell was happening. And it led to, uh, listen, listen, uh, not a great SummerSlam match with a weird ending, and then a cash-in. It's just, I, I don't like anything about this. Yeah, there were a lot of mistakes. He needed to go away for a while. And somehow they needed to plant the seeds of that song representing CM Punk before the song went off and he came back. Because like you said, that song goes off. You're like, oh, well, what's going on? And then he appears. So they definitely made that mistake. I thought the match was good. I thought it was great that CM Punk went over. Alberto Del Rio cashing in with the help of Kevin Nash is just, it is... Words don't describe this. Stick them. And then they flip the belt a few times, and then Punk is supposed to fight Nash, but now he fights Triple H, loses Loses, to Triple H. Loses the match. And then Punk finally wins, beats Del Rio at Survivor Series, and that begins the mega title run. How about you begin the mega title run at SummerSlam as opposed to the hot potato with a championship and the oddness of the Kevin Nash feud, which culminated in Kevin Nash versus Triple H in a sledgehammer on a pole match. Give me a break. Triple H might have all these main events because he's, oh, God, it just drives me nuts. SummerSlam SummerSlam 2012, August 19th, 2012. Again, still at Staples Center. Brock Lesnar versus Triple H in a no-DQ match. I hated this so much. Yeah, this was terrible. Um, this was terrible because a part of what they did to CM Punk's mega title run is they never let him main event. Think about it. Never. How many pay-per-views during his title run did he main event? It's not a lot. Rumble fifteen, Rumble 13 where he drops it to the Rock. That, 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 when he lost the title. Uh, That's when he main evented. When he lost it. He didn't main event uh, SummerSlam. didn't main event WrestleMania. He, he had a feud with Daniel Bryan, which was cool. And that never main evented. No. He never main evented. And so 
the other problem I had is the way they Brock Lesnar's run with the company has ultimately been very good. Yeah, I, I would say that. But I think the beginning of it was horrendous. He comes back. He loses to John Cena. He quits like a bitch. Then he comes back to fight Triple H after he quit. And eh. and then what made it worse is great. Brock beats him. But then Brock has to give the victory back to Triple H at WrestleMania months later. And the other thing is, if you're going to give me Brock Triple H, this ain't the main event. That's the other thing. You can't have this main event. Uh, the pay-per-view, I think you had other things going on, like CM Punk's championship run, that were more appealing. Can I say something that's going to be controversial? Yes. Triple H's not a big enough star to, to main event this with Brock. He's just not. The title sh- absolutely should have main event of this pay-per-view. Uh, I, tri- listen, Triple H is a, a wrestling legend, a Hall of Famer, but he's not that crossover star that you know Lesnar, Rock, Punk even. D- d- he's just not that guy. It, it just was not... Big no. enough. I agree with you. I think you're right about that. I don't think it's that controversial. I mean, there could be matches Triple H can main event, not this one. And I just thought the beginning of Lesnar's run was booked so poorly. It's almost stunning to me that it worked out as well as it did because it's – think about the way it started. He's losing the John Cena in his first month back, and then he quits, and then he's fighting Triple H. Eh, what a mess. Let's go to SummerSlam 2004. 13. August 18th, 2013, again at the Staples Center. Your WWE champion, John Cena, calls his shot. He wants Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam uh, 13 with your guest referee, the man of many H's. Great match. Uh, incredible. I mean, this was this was awesome, and the crowd was hot. They loved Daniel Bryan. Cena picking him was different as opposed to some weird number one contendership. The cash-in, I'm mixed about because... The cash-in did lead to one of the great angles, whether it was accidental or not, that we ever saw. Accidental, yes. The Daniel Bryan chase. You know, he wins the title, he tastes the gold, now he's got to go chase it. Uh, I think the months that followed were lousy. Daniel Bryan beats Randy Orton, but wait a second, he didn't. The referee's on the take. Shawn Michaels is screwing him. So I think what happened after wasn't very effective, but I thought that what they did that night certainly was great that it put Brian over and great that it began the chase. They mm-hmm. mis-executed the chase. For sure. I And I also don't love Randy Orton being the guy that he was chasing. No, because, yeah, again, Danielson wins the belt again, I want to say, like, in October, and they take it off him the next night. Right. Uh, and then in January, he joins the Wyatt family, that whole thing. And then you get about, what, two months of a decent build going into WrestleMania 30. But the, the match, the night, the match itself, where Brian Danielson... Uh, the WWE Daniel Bryan goes over clean over John Cena, who, like we said before, beats Lesnar in his return match, is beating everybody, but jobs clean. Cena's jobbed a lot over the last few years, but certainly at this point, he wasn't doing it all the yeah. time. And he loses clean to Daniel Bryan to the knee to a new finisher. God, that was a cool moment. That was awesome. That was on its own. That was great. No question about it. SummerSlam 2014. Uh, this is great in its own way. August 17th, 2004, the last one at Staples Center. Your WWE World Heavyweight Champion John Cena against Brock Lesnar. Oh, this was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, they did what they had to do. This is the pinnacle of Brock Lesnar in the WWE. I'm a fan of him beating The Undertaker. Somebody had to do it. And if you were going to turn it into something, which they did, so be it. And now he destroys John Cena. I mean, just destroys him. One of the most one-sided title switches you'll ever see. I thought this was pinnacle Brock Lesnar's WWE run. Uh, you talk about it. Cena's now really starting to put people over. I mean, this is the ultimate putting somebody <laughs> over. 
I know it's Brock Lesnar, but he allowed Lesnar to destroy him, become champion, and begin that long, somewhat frustrating title run because he wasn't defending it a lot. The only mistake is that they had a rematch a month later. I wouldn't have even done that. But, yeah, this was great because it was so different. And, you know, Lesnar comes back in, what, uh, April 2012? Yes. So this is three and a half years into this run. Imagine if they started off this run like this. They should have. Yeah. Or or Brock shouldn't have come back feuding with John Cena. It should have been feuding with somebody else. But you're right. They should That match they had at Extreme Rules back at his beginning return was a huge mistake. But this is the best now. Now we're seeing really, really good stuff. And we know where it was leading. Brock Lesnar being this mega champion that nobody could beat. SummerSlam 2015. They are in Brooklyn, New York at the Barclays Center. Brooklyn. I'll do that for you. Uh, August 23rd, 2015. The Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar? Uh, no, nah, this, this shouldn't have happened. And I know that they were going to have another one after this at Hell in a Cell. I think Lesnar, Undertaker at WrestleMania speaks for itself. That was it. And then you had the oddity of how did this match end? You know, the Undertaker got him to what? Pass out? So, but, but for, you forget the, the Lesnar had him beat. They rang the bell mistakenly. He, Is that he, what happened? Yeah, he he removes the hold, right. and then Laker uh, Taker gets him in the 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 Hell's Gate, right? Yeah, Hell's Gate, and he passes out. So yeah, so there's, after there's, he gives a, him the middle finger, yeah, right? Yeah, it, it fell forth that they just needed to give the Undertaker a win because the Undertaker never beat Brock Lesnar. Back in the first run, he never beat Brock Lesnar. At WrestleMania, he never beat Brock Lesnar. I mean, Brock Lesnar always beat the Undertaker, and a part of me thinks this was the one carrot they needed to throw to Taker. Like you got a victory over Brock. You're going to lose to him a few months later. But here's your win over him. I I didn't need this match. When Undertaker came back, for some reason, I was hoping he was going to come back and feud with Seth Rollins because I Mm. thought that was going to really help Seth's championship run, establish him, you know, as a champion. Instead, Seth beat John Cena with the help of Jon Stewart that night. (laughs) (laughs) That's legitimately what happened. That was the same night, right? I'm not screwing that up. I forget what. That might have been later. uh, No, that was the same same night. night. That was when Seth became champion. I can't. And I thought Seth Cena was certainly big enough to main event. I mean, it's the U.S. champion for, it was title for title. Yeah. Which I thought was a big deal. Uh, Let's go to SummerSlam. By the way, you'll notice a pattern here. Let's go to SummerSlam 2016. August 21st, 2016, Brock Lesnar versus Randy Orton. Horrible idea. Uh, Horrible idea. These ca- it comes back to something I've said a few times. How does this main event? <laughs> I don't even know what the other title matches were. I don't even care. How does this Dennis main event? Randy Orton, who gives a crap against Brock Lesnar? Now SummerSlam is the Brock Lesnar Invitational, by the way. <laughs> He's main eventing every SummerSlam. Title, no title, it doesn't even freaking matter. This is the second straight pay-per-view SummerSlam. He is main eventing with no title on the line. This is the third time in five years he's main eventing a SummerSlam with no title on the line. Four out of five with one title being on the line. I think the one thing that I will not forget about this match was... Uh, after the show, uh, Jericho was like, it "Was was this legit?" Like Jericho was a mark in this. He thought like Lesnar went rogue and busted him open for for realsies right, here. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't mind that, they, that he busted him open. I don't mind that it was a, a TKO, but not as the main event. Just not as the main event because there's no title on the line, no other reason for it. Um, I think we both mean mention of we're not the biggest uh, <laughs> uh, Randy Orton people in the world. 
Um, yeah, just it, it didn't make a lot of sense for a variety and, of reasons. And the ending didn't go anywhere because, you know, Shane McMahon gets beat. You think that that's going to go somewhere. It didn't. And I also thought it was a major disservice to the newly created Universal Championship. This was the pay-per-view where they created the Universal title, and they gave you Finn Balor and Seth Rollins. They give you this incredible match. They're putting Finn Balor up in a major way. Remember, he beat Roman Reigns clean a little bit earlier. That's got a main event. You have a brand-new title. You're trying to make it mean something. I'm not suggesting Dolph Ziggler, Dean Ambrose should main event for the WWE title. No way. But Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, Universal title, that is so clearly the main event. And right out of the gate, they did a disservice to the Universal Championship. I can't argue with that at all. Let us go to SummerSlam 2017. Back at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, it's Brock Lesnar defending his match, uh, defending his Universal Championship against Samoa Joe. Roman Reigns, and Braun Strowman in a four-way. The, the only problem I have, it was a fine match. It really was. It was yeah. entertaining. It, when you have that many guys in a match, you forget who's in it, and it becomes less memorable. One-on-one matches and triple threat matches are more memorable than when you've got four guys in it. Now, I do think this needed to main event because the WWE title match that year was Jinder Mahal against Shinsuke Nakamura. No offense. Jinder Mahal can't main event a pay-per-view. So I think this was clearly the right decision. The Universal title, by the way, a year later is now being put over in a major way. Mm -hmm. When you think about Bill Goldberg, you think about Brock Lesnar, uh, they made that title really matter to the point now, today, it's the biggest title in the company. It's past WWE, and it passed it quick, unfortunately, in many ways. But... It was a great match. It's just it's sort of forgettable because you got so many guys involved. Do you not feel that way? No, a million percent. I do like that Joe and Strowman were in a main event. I think it was deserved at this point. But, yeah, I mean, the, the feud was Lesnar and Reigns. It has been in the past. It will be in the future, uh, beginning, middle, end for the rest of our lives. Uh, but it was a fun match. I like when they do different things. Uh, even if you're not going to, you know, go crazy with changes or or whatever, just give me something different. Right. And this was different. It, it was Here's another negative. They put a stipulation that said if Brock lost, he was leaving the company. And to me, that told us Brock was winning. There was He wasn't leaving the company. His contract wasn't up. This wasn't the end of him. The end of him wasn't going to be in some fatal four-way match. So sometimes stipulations can be a really bad thing because they give it away. You know, we mentioned earlier Goldberg, Triple H. When Goldberg won the title, they did the same thing. They put a stipulation that... Goldberg would retire if he didn't win the title. But we knew he was going to win the title. He's not going to retire. It just didn't make sense. Yeah. So I don't like when they do that. The only time it actually paid off was uh, Michaels at uh, Mania 26. That was different because I think we knew that's where they were going. Yeah, but like I think we all knew that Taker was going to go over, but I didn't think we realized that Michaels was really going to retire. I think we thought it was going to be a wrestling retirement. I actually thought he was. Yeah. I really did. Maybe I was in the minority. I thought, yeah, Sean's definitely retiring. He's been around. He's He don't want to do it anymore. So. Yeah. All right, this is the last one. SummerSlam 2018. August 19th, 2018, the last of the run at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Your WWE Universal Champion Brock Lesnar defends against Roman Reigns. So Roman Reigns defeating Brock Lesnar was, I think, the plan for three years strong. (laughs) That was ultimately what we thought was going to happen at WrestleMania 31. It didn't because the crowd was really crapping on Reigns, and they did the whole cash-in with Seth Rollins. I didn't love this. I didn't love it because I thought Roman's victory needed to be decisive, and it wasn't. No, You had Strowman hanging out there as the monster in the bank. 
you had kind of a weird anticlimactic ending to it. I'm all in favor of Roman winning that match because I thought it was time for Brock to finally drop that title after a year and a half. I just didn't think it was definitive enough. They didn't get it right until Seth beat him at WrestleMania. That's how you beat Brock Lesnar. Seth Rollins beat Brock Lesnar. He beat him. And I think we all, and that's why they should never fight again. Uh, And they're making a mistake teasing that. That should be it. Because he beat him. And unfortunately, Roman Reigns didn't really beat Brock Lesnar. And I think that was my biggest takeaway and issue with that main event. Yeah, it was six minutes, ten seconds. It just, yeah, it was anticlimactic in a lot of ways. But yeah, like you said, it was three and a half years of of build. And, you know, Roman is a star. Roman is the face of the company. I don't know if he's that crossover star that we make mention of, but he needed to be over in a, in a big way, and it didn't happen. They did it for for Rollins in, in WrestleMania 35. I wish they would have done that for Roman here, but it just it didn't happen. It was anticlimactic. What was your favorite one, your favorite main event? 13 comes to mind, Danielson winning the title. Uh, losing it immediately was not fun, uh, but that was certainly up there. And then 97. Yeah, that's mine. Yeah. I think that's the best one. I think the whole package of it and what it led to, you know, the screw job a few months later. How about the fact that Hulk Hogan main evented four SummerSlams? Three of them were tag team matches. <laughs> he only had one one-on-one match. And how about this? Hulk Hogan never had a title match at SummerSlam. Well, I think that's the whole point of SummerSlam, like we may mention of before. It was, an, it was the in-your-house before in-your-house became a thing. <laughs> it's just another way to get your money. To build these fuse to WrestleMania. That's the whole purpose of it. Yeah. It wasn't for a blow-off. It wasn't for a big moment. It's to get you to Survivor Series, to get you to Rumble, to get you to Mania. And that's that's all the purpose was. So I think people, the crowd was hot for it. The People loved it. Uh, but it wasn't there for, for those star-making moments. It didn't I, happen for years. I would love to see SummerSlam become WrestleMania Junior. And by doing that, what I would tell the writers, Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff, I would tell them the moment WrestleMania ends, you start riding towards SummerSlam. Everything leads towards SummerSlam, and I don't think they do that. I think it's basically just a pay-per-view in late July, or I'm sorry, late August. And I'd love to see that change because it's SummerSlam. It's got such a history. We just did almost an hour and a half talking about main events of this pay-per-view. It's been around for so long that I'd love to see them kind of put that focus on it again. And uh, hopefully it happens. You know, we'll see where they go with the the, the network era. Do they keep doing these 12 to 15 pay-per-views a year? Is that a, a thing they need to do uh, with to justify the network? Maybe they do. Uh, but if you go from Mania to SummerSlam, which is four and a half months, mm-hmm. then from SummerSlam to Survivor Series, which is three months, and then Survivor Series and Rumble, which is two months, and then a three-month build to WrestleMania, th- that's quarterly. Essentially, it's a little bit longer here and there, a little bit shorter here and there. But that's a way to go from A point A to B to C to D and start it all over again. Have those be your flashpoints. Have you know Money in the Bank you know be a thing as a fifth pay per view. But right. other than that, have some more natural storytelling, and we'll see if that changes over the next couple. Of, we'll see if AEW becomes uh, a, a a a focal point, uh, a nemesis, something that forces change. We're starting to see a little bit of that. Uh, but we'll see uh, how much the, the WWE changes over the next couple of months because I think change will be happening sooner rather than later. So we have now done a Royal Rumble retrospective, a WrestleMania retrospective, a Money in the Bank retrospective, and a SummerSlam retrospective. So Survivor Series, get ready. Now, I don't know if we're going to go main events. I don't know if we should do traditional Survivor Series. I will think about that. But coming sometime in late October, you will all get the Survivor Series 
retrospective. Also coming up on the Evan Roberts podcast, a Knicks offseason recap and a Nets offseason <laughs> recap. Brandon Tierney will join me for the Knicks offseason recap. You can follow Dennis at Dennis or D D Hap Show. There you go. Oh, I got it. Okay. Yeah. At D Hap Show. You are now officially the fellow historian of the retrospectives we do on the Evan Roberts podcast. Congratulations. I appreciate it. I'm very excited to going forward. Well, thank you very much for joining me and thank you very much for listening to this very long edition <laughs> of the Evan Roberts podcast.